Welcome to the Health Admin Life Podcast. My name is Brooke, and I'm going to interview special guests to explore the vast career opportunities in health administration. Whether you're a clinical professional, a corporate worker, a student, or a patient yourself, this podcast is for everyone. Get ready to be inspired. Hi, current and future healthcare leaders. Welcome to the Health Admin Life Podcast. My name is Brooke, and today I would like to welcome Roshangi Shah, Administrative Fellow for Operations at UCLA Health. Roshangi, can you tell our listeners a little bit more about who you are? Yeah, of course. Thank you so much, Brooke, for having me on your show. As Brooke mentioned, my name is Rushangi Shaw. My pronouns are she, her, and I am the admin fellow for hospital operations at UCLA Health in Los Angeles, California. I am also the vice chair for the Early Careers Council for ACHE Southern California. Um, A little bit about me personally, I have kind of lived all over. I spent most of my life in Michigan. I completed my undergrad in St. Louis, and finally graduate school brought me to Los Angeles, which if I can add is my favorite place that I have lived. Um, Some fun facts about me, uh, I was born in India and moved to Michigan at a very young age, and I speak three languages. I am very excited to share my opinions and experiences with all of you today. Thanks, Brooke. Thank you so much for sharing. I think a lot of people would love to know a little bit more of what an admin fellow does and maybe a little bit more about your position. Yeah, definitely. I'm so happy to share. So my fellowship has been an incredible experience for me so far. Um, It is unique in that UCLA Health has a partnership with the Army Baylor program. So two of my co-fellows are actually current dual degree candidates at Army Baylor. Yeah, so they're both getting their MHA and MBA. Um, So I am the civilian fellow, as they call it, at UCLA Health. And um, they also already have their next roles in the Army and Coast Guard, which is very cool. Um, They are very hopeful that they take UCLA Health's best practices back to their, you know, next roles. Um, And I, I have to say that being with my co-fellows has been an absolutely wonderful experience. I feel like they come from such unique backgrounds that I have learned so much from them. Um, and overall, the they have made my fellowship such a positive experience. Truly incredible humans. I think speaking a little bit to the fellowship itself, it is a one-year project-based fellowship based out of hospital operations. I think this is great because it really gives the fellows at UCLA an opportunity to manage um, as many projects as they want. And you know, you can have involvement in multiple projects to varying capacities, which I love because I love being involved in a lot of things at one time. When the fellowship kind of started out, it was it was pretty great because they have all these preset meet and greets with leaders across the health system. And what I really love about that as someone who constantly loves to, you know, go to the next thing and, and rush off in a way, um, I love that the fellowship really enables you to be present in the moment meet the leaders, um, meet the people behind the scenes, as well as understand UCLA as a healthcare organization, and then make informed decisions on the projects that you do wanna pick up after these meet and greets. So most of our days at the beginning of the fellowship are focused around meeting people and understanding UCLA health. After that, however, we really get to make these decisions about the interests that we have within healthcare specifically and pick projects that kind of help us develop our skills. For me, 
a typical day is really going to my daily um, operations meetings. And then it's a good mix of having time to do my project work and of course, meeting with the appropriate leaders to ensure that we're able to advance our deliverables. Um, but the learning and shadowing truly continues throughout the year. And that's another unique part that I absolutely love. Um, fellows are really given the opportunity to t you know shadow clinical leaders, shadow our general services staff members, and um, even go on on tours of the various facilities um, around our campuses. That is fantastic and it is great to hear that UCLA has such a great program and I think many people always wonder too um, what the length of a fellowship is for I know mine it was a year long summer also two years is yours a year long or two years? Yeah, so my fellowship is a year, and I personally really like that because I feel like you can fit a good amount of learning in a year. I um, will definitely touch on this later, but you know, I um, went from undergrad st straight to grad school, and so for me, I felt the one-year program was the perfect length before I truly jumpstart my career and um, take on my next role, so it's a year long. Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing. What sector of healthcare would you say you're in or UCLA is in? Yeah, definitely. So UCLA Health is an academic medical center, um, which what that really means and what that includes is UCLA Health System and of course, David Geffen School of Medicine. Um, what I really love, love about being in an academic medical center is that they really truly live out their vision, which is um, to heal humankind one patient at a time, alle alleviating suffering and delivering acts of kindness. And for me, I love the emphasis on patients and the acts of kindness. That's something that makes UCLA very unique. I love that. And how long have you been in the industry for? Yeah, so I'm, I'm young, I'm fairly new. I've been in uh, healthcare administration for a couple of years. So as I mentioned, I went straight from undergrad to grad school. So during that time, I did complete two internships at SSM Health and uh, Verdugo Hills Hospital, but I came straight into the fellowship after grad school. So I would consider myself an early careerist. Fantastic. And how did you get to where you are today? I think so many young professionals are like, Everyone has a unique experience, but how do you get there? So what has been your story? Yeah, my story is a little unique. Um, in all honesty, when I started at St. Louis University, or SLU, as I'll call it moving forward, um, you know, I started with a health sciences major on a pre-physical therapy track, but by my sophomore year, you know, I was confused and honestly not really having a great time in college. Mm -hmm. I felt like I didn't really have a future as a physical therapist and honestly my grades were backing up that statement. Um, and so winter break of sophomore year when I was truly struggling, I decided to Google different careers and I literally typed into Google careers that combine business and science. And that's how I found um, healthcare administration. So, you know, I, I had an honest conversation with myself and an honest conversation with my family, and I decided to switch my major. So by spring 2017, I joined SLU's College for Public Health and Social Justice, where the healthcare administration um, major was centered. And so I got my Bachelor of Science in Health Admin. I decided to do public health as my minor because I felt like public health really informed a lot of health management and they just went really well together. There was a lot of overlap in the classes and a lot of things I could learn from both and kind of um, combine that knowledge to become a better healthcare administrator. 
2017, one of my dear mentors at SLU, Dr. Kevin Seiberg, introduced me to the idea of fellowships, and it truly became a part of my five-year plan. And my academic advisors at SLU also helped me bring that plan to life, um, and I'm so thankful for them. I actually decided that taking a gap year was not the right move for me, and I went straight into grad school. So after going through the graduate school application cycle, I got into the University of Southern California's MHA program, so decided to move to Los Angeles to go to USC, which was a very interesting experience because the start of my program was also COVID, um, but I made the most of my program, right? Like with anything in life, you have to make the most of it, um, even when there are difficulties and struggles. So for me, I was very involved. I did a few case competitions and I was actually also the co-president of the case competition club. And my executive board and I were able to put together USC's first ever internal case competition. and. We received, it was, yeah, thank you. It was very exciting. We actually received sponsorship from Keck Medicine of USC. Funny enough, that's also where I was an intern. I actually did my administrative residency at USC Verdugo Hills Hospital. Um, and, you know, to kind of close this off and, and put an emphasis on mentorship, I will say throughout my educational journey and now into my professional career, I have been blessed with amazing mentors, professors, and academic advisors. And of course, having the support of my family has been incredible and has really guided me to um, come into healthcare administration and be successful. Thank you so much for sharing. And I think a lot of people can relate to the fact that they might start out as a clinical um, expert or want to go into pre-nursing or pre-med and that there is not one route that you can take. And I think a lot of people are like, okay, what can you do going into health administration? And same as me, I also Googled, what are the opportunities? And it was probably a bit of a gamble this field has been around for the longest time as long as hospitals have been around which is forever um you've needed health admin to help run those hospitals and facilities and as we've gone through the years it is so nice to know that there are resources like this there are also now administrative fellowships that can really help develop these professionals for the better and thinking about your experience going from undergrad to your master's there is no one route. Some people like to go straight into it. Some people like to work a few years and say, okay, is this really for me? But mm -hmm. um, just like myself, I went straight to my master's and I think it's wonderful that schools provide these fellowships to bridge that connection between what you've learned in the classroom, but also give you the access to many different areas within healthcare that you may have not had otherwise if you went straight into a role. So. I'm Definitely. glad that you found this route and yeah. that you are where you are today. So thinking of that, what made you specifically interested or what um, helped you get into health admin? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, as I mentioned, I didn't really know about health admin until college, but I knew I wanted to be in healthcare. So that kind of um, baseline kind of point was there in my brain, right? Some form of healthcare. My family has a lot of surgeons and physicians and pharmacists, so a huge okay. emphasis on healthcare. And, you know, coming from a South Asian background, um, and, you know, if you have any South Asian listeners, they will 100% understand um, the emphasis that is placed on medicine in our community. So I think 
for me in high school specifically, the idea of what people thought I should be really influenced Mm. my decision for trying to get into the direct patient care kind of setting. Um, Coming to SLU, however, and and realizing what that entails made me realize that that was just not the path for me, but but that's okay. Um, Sophomore year was that turning point where I finally spoke up, you know, spoke to my family, um, my mentors, people I trusted about this major change that I was hoping to make because being in the wrong major was impacting my grades, but more importantly, it was impacting my mental health, and and that is not good. I would have to say, um, I want to give a shout out to my sister because funny enough, the minute I entered healthcare administration, she totally called it and she said, this is what you were meant to do. And honestly, that is so true. I totally feel um, in my heart and, and in my head that this is the field for me. So finding through Google and um, researching what connects business and science and coming upon healthcare admin. And on top of that, being lucky enough that my undergraduate um, institution had a specific degree for health uh, care administration um, has been a really great experience for me. And, and, you know, it really shows that things are totally meant to be. And I was put into healthcare administration for the right reasons. I think even thinking of maybe a similar experience, I think a lot of people may have have to go into certain fields and family might have a big impact on that. I know I am thankful where uh, my parents let me choose anything. And I think that also had a burden. It's like, okay, I still need to pick the right decision, but what is that? So I always thought, okay, I want to go into healthcare. I don't know what that looks like. And I was like, okay, I do like healthcare. I also like orthodontics. I've never had braces. Could this be a route? (laughs) So originally I was majoring in bio thinking that was the route for me. And just the same, I realized, no, this is not for me, and I really want to go into health admin. So I I think it's great. A lot of people can relate to this. What is something or what are your favorite things about working in healthcare? Yeah, thanks. That's a great question. I am someone who believes that we can all be lifelong learners, and tons of learning actually occurs outside the classroom, right? You're only going to be in school for so long, and you know some people longer than others, depending on the degree that you end up choosing. So I absolutely love working in a teaching hospital, and I am so fortunate that the teaching extends beyond the clinical setting, right? Because you think of academic medical centers, and you're thinking training the future physicians, training nurses, but At UCLA Health, I think both admin and um, clinical leaders are dedicated to teaching and mentoring young careers like myself. And, you know, UCLA Health is also highly ranked, being number five in the U.S., being top 10 in the world. But the rankings are not the best part of being here. The best part of being at this hospital are 100% the people. Throughout my fellowship, I have met highly accomplished, world-class clinicians, incredible healthcare administrators. But one common theme that holds true, um, you know, even eight, nine months into my fellowship is kindness and how humble each of them are. Mm. Um, the people truly make this organization a wonderful place to work. And the people that work here are dedicated to the mission, vision, and values. Um, and there is a motivation to invest in the younger generation, to get them ready to um, 
face the struggles that are in healthcare currently and that may arise in the future. So working in this environment has enabled me to see positivity in a field that can sometimes be a little grim. And I think cultural alignment is also very important for me. So I encourage early careerists out there to find an organization that truly enables you to thrive. So um, you can be in a place where you feel like, you know, people are investing in you as a professional. And I am so fortunate to have found that through this fellowship and at this organization. I completely agree. I think that you need to go to a great organization that puts an emphasis on care and empathy for patients. And when you really have those values and mission, I think that it really shows throughout all of the staff. So everyone's working through that common goal, which is fantastic. But something to add to that you mentioned is finding people who care about you. So knowing where you're valued is extremely important. Finding mentors who can help you in that growth and be that lifelong learner um, is key. So I appreciate you sharing your perspectives on that. Do you have any other advice to maybe some of those people getting into their career um, or aspiring leaders going into health administration? Yeah, definitely. I feel like I have so much to say. One thing I'll start out with is, um, and this is true for anyone, um, any type of healthcare profession that you're picking, whether you're going to be a physician, a nurse, or even a healthcare administrator, it is so, so important to be true and authentic. Um, Be true to yourself. And first and foremost, know your why. Why are you in healthcare? Why do you believe this is your true purpose? Why specifically healthcare administration? Make sure then that your why informs your personal and professional life. As healthcare administrators, we may not directly provide care to patients, but we have the privilege of informing policies and procedures which indirectly make an impact on a patient's life. And, And it's not only the patient, right? Oftentimes, um, with a patient comes their family members or friends or community members who are impacted by the news that they are receiving within the four walls of a hospital. So I think it is so important to know your why. Let kindness and empathy guide you because at the end of the day, I think, you know, make your living about providing service to others, especially in healthcare. On a more technical note, I think for early careerists, practices that I kind of involve myself in that have helped my professional development is to make sure that I invest in myself first and for- foremost. Something I do every morning before I start my workday is watch one TED Talk and take notes to learn mm-hmm. something new um, and also figure out how what that TED Talk, um, basically how what they're teaching on that TED Talk can be uh, applied to my life. And I absolutely love TED Talks. I think they're so informative and educational and um, really enhance my growth and my learning. I also think it is so important to have mentors both within and outside your current professional circle. So have a diversity and perspective from the leaders that you're getting advice from, right? It's so important to have mentors within the organizations where you work, but even outside, you know, keep in contact with your professors from your grad program or undergrad that's something that i do um professors are so so incredible they have coached mentored and taught hundreds if not thousands of students so i think utilizing kind of their wisdom can be an advantage for you um 
one thing that I am currently working on and, and haven't finalized, but I'm hoping to do this summer before the end of my fellowship is having my own personal mission, vision, and values written down somewhere and making sure I read them out loud and um, keep them at the forefront of everything that I do. And a couple of other things that I'll kind of add little, little tidbits here and there is I think it's important to read books uh, and stay up to date on healthcare news. It is so important to stay informed on healthcare policy, not only at a local, but also a federal level to give you a worldview on what is going on um, and, and be aware of your surroundings and understand that you may not hold some identities, but there are people in your community that do, that are impacted by policies and procedures and things that are being implemented that sometimes feel a little out of our control. And finally, I wanna leave some specific practices that early careerists can definitely implement in their life that are very easy. This is something I learned from my dad who has over 30 years um, of healthcare experience and it's related to goal setting. He taught me um, a practice of having a three, six, nine month plan when you start a new job. And what this really means is writing down what you hope to accomplish in the first three months, in the first six months, and in the first nine months and beyond of a job, a fellowship, whatever it is you're embarking on. I think it's so important to level set with your supervisor and your team members of your expectations and also learn their expectations of you. I think little professional development tidbits like this can kind of make a difference in how you goal set and kind of um, advance throughout your career, have your personal, have your vision board, you know, create a professional vision board, whether that's on Canva, whether that's writing it down, or even, um, you know, creating like a Pinterest or a social media board. I think having things like this in front of your eyes is very important to guide you, you know, throughout your healthcare administration or throughout your career journey. Um, and then the last thing I'll say, something I actually learned from my mom, um, someone who's not in healthcare and, and more on the non-technical side is the importance and value of relationships, especially within your work setting or your personal circles. Healthcare is so people-centric that it is very important to build strong professional and personal relationships. Um, you know, that will help kind of guide your career and, and provide you with the support you need to grow. I love all of that advice and honestly a breath of fresh air one maybe walking this backwards is thinking of building relationships it is such a small community in health administration that i completely agree i think that you should always take the time to go on that extra coffee chat or go on a walk with someone who one of your coworkers, one of your peers reach out to your professors grab a coffee or offer a coffee and maybe you can gain a mentor out of this um, but always stay in touch because you never know, maybe they can help you get a job in the future or maybe you can give advice on a project that they're working on. You never know. So always keep those relationships. And I would also say never to burn a bridge on that note. But <laughs> going back to your um, dad's comment with taking maybe your professional career in your own hands, you can't always rely on others to have a strict outline of what you're supposed to do. So I really love that three, six, nine month plan. Um, and even so, having a 30, 60, 90 day plan is fantastic too, starting a job and really outlining what your boss values, what the company values, and how can your work align with that for the mission. Um, yeah. And then some other things too, where you said, always keeping up to date on current events and even reading and going to TED Talks or listening to TED Talks. Um, 
join professional organizations. If you can join things like ACHE, HIMS, HFMA, things like that yeah. can really keep you up to date on current things and taking the time to look at your emails, look at those newsletters from those um, organizations to say, okay, what is new and what should I be focusing on? Um, because healthcare is ever changing. So you don't want to be left behind and you want to stay on top of it so that you know how to improve the system going forward. Um, and maybe my last thing to go off of this is, again, going into this field, you truly have to be passionate because you're going to live comfortably. And this is what I've been told, even in my master's, you're going to live comfortably, but you're not going to make a crazy amount of money. People think that administration, you can make this crazy amount of money and you will be well off, but you're not going to be comparable to other industries. So you really want to make a positive impact in patients' lives, their families' lives, and really, really love healthcare. Um, but I, again, thank you so much for your perspective, Rishangi. For my next question, on the opposite end, if there was one thing you can improve, what would it be? Yeah, definitely. And and to your last point, I, I agree with, you know, the stuff that you have mentioned. It, it's so important to um, know your why. I think at the end of the day, it goes back to knowing your why. And constantly reminding yourself of why you are in healthcare. And so kind of building upon that, um, healthcare is not perfect. It is not a perfect system by any means. And so there are so many things that I could highlight that I want to improve with healthcare, but I'll give you a two-part response. And the only reason it's a two-part response is because part one will inform part two. First, I wanna say education and health literacy are extremely important. I think as a country, we can do a better job of investing in education around healthcare and preventative care for patients. I think we need to be on top of creating a strong process where patients can see their PCP, their primary care physicians regularly to manage their conditions and make sure they know their resources to maintain their health. This can be as simple as managing diabetes through regular checkups or getting the right cancer screenings on time. And why I say on time is because, you know, we're reading, uh, we're finding out that colon cancer is on the rise, right? Talking to your PCP ahead of time and making sure you're scheduled for a screening is so incredibly important. I think um, why this is informing the second part of my answer is um, because I think access to care is another huge hurdle in the current healthcare delivery system. I think specifically for marginalized and minority communities, access to care is a huge issue. So what we can do, I think, is as health systems, as hospitals, we need to go into the communities. We need to know the different identities that our patients hold. With education and access, we need to ensure we have an approach that keeps diversity, equity, and inclusion of all of our patients at the forefront of the policies and procedures that we are implementing. In my opinion, I think we also need to get creative with healthcare administration and look to non-healthcare industries to implement solutions to increase education around prevention and awareness. I also think the last overarching statement is it's important to remember that inspiration oftentimes comes from the outside. I completely agree. And I think this is a common topic that we need to increase access. And I think it's hard. It's like, okay, this problem is a big issue. And I think we always think, okay, the next person will solve this. But I really like your perspective that we should look to internal organizations within healthcare, but even external, they might have solutions that we haven't even considered. 
Other than that, is there anything that we can maybe think about to head in the right direction? Maybe that first step to really say, okay, this is the way to combat access. And I know I don't want to put you on the spot, but I think it's great (laughs) to consider too. Yeah, definitely. You know, I've thought about this and I don't know that this is a perfect answer, but a first step is going to the community. It is so important to know that Healthcare actually extends beyond the four walls of a hospital. It is Mm -hmm. so important to understand the community that you are serving. Involve patients and their families in the care that they're going to receive. Ask for their opinion. Ask for how you they feel that your organization can improve the care and the processes that are currently in place. Um, Make sure you are advocating for your patients and raising awareness and educating them on their options, right? And, and what do I mean by this? I mean that making sure that your patients know that going to the emergency department is not their only option. They know that they have resources outside of the ED um, that the health system offers. And again, this can be as simple as making um, patients aware of the urgent care centers that are around your area or the primary care physicians that are operating within your health system and how to get um, a constant flow of appointments set up. I think taking steps like this can actually improve um, the education and awareness of patients as well as increasing access to care and making sure patients are getting the care that they need so they don't you know um show up to the emergency department too late or feel that that's their only option because it truly is not we can inform patients of their um at the different avenues of care that they have um and, and help guide them and help them manage their conditions and manage their care and create a continuum of care as well I I think you're so right where we need to increase education. We also need to increase continuum of care. And I think the first step is creating a better understanding. And I think when you go back to that ex- example of EDs um, for the emergency department, I think a lot of patients think that's the only resource. But again, I think there's other options, but they might not know that. And even so, let's say, for instance, if you have Medicare and Medicaid, you get that covered. So that's going to be your first option. But if you can set up with a primary care doctor, I think that's a, another great resource. And I think many companies, what they're trying to do is give stipends to their employees to set up with primary care, go to your doctor's appointments. And maybe this would yeah. limit on the back end where you're not going to have readmissions into um, the emergency department. But there's other sides of, let's say, understanding the um, insurance policies. I think there, there is a step that we're missing is that really we need to educate people on what this means. I know I have the privilege, I know you have the privilege of understanding co-pays, premiums, deductibles, but most of America does not. And even so, even if they understand it, they might not understand what that policy entails with their company. And we like to blame it all on the insurance companies, but your employer is the one creating those plans with them. So there might be fine prints that you don't know. You're selecting a plan that's like, okay, it's cheaper. It might be only a, I don't even want to say a number. So let's say if your plan is cheaper, it might not cover emergency visits and you didn't read the fine print. So then you have to pay all of this out of pocket and it is so unfair. So I think maybe another solution is honestly taking a step back and really saying, okay, where can we increase education? I think it's high schools. I know my high school is now implementing um, education surrounding investments and personal finance, which is great. But I think healthcare yeah. 
is such a necessity that we should be really having these conversations and teaching students early on because you might be you're going to the doctors before you're 18 so I think that we should do this and I really hope there's more policies created around this um, but again it's not a thing that I can solve just today but having these conversations really do help um, but yeah. before we end this I just wanted to say that something else that we I think I would love to improve is maybe more pay transparency within the health admin realm with administrative fellowships do you know what the salary range is for this area yeah yeah definitely um so you know in my experience and through the application cycle I saw a wide range I think it is dependent on the state you're in the cost of living in that state as well as the organization so I have seen 55,000 all the way up to a hundred thousand dollars um, annual salary range for administrative fellowships some organizations some fine you know fine print again some some academic medical centers often give fellows the same salary admin fellows the same salary as a third year medical resident this is something worth looking into because it is important to know what life will look like after grad school especially from a financial perspective um, and this is to you know your personal finance point that you made earlier it is so important to know what your benefits and compensation is going to look like it's important to also think beyond your salary look to your um, retirement look to the roth ira 401k Mm -hmm. and you know this is another tip i wish i had implemented earlier in my life um learning financial management and setting financial goals really projecting what my future will look like in alignment to the personal mission vision and values that i mentioned earlier and one resource that I'll kind of share is Tori Dunlap, her first 100K. Love um, her. I'm sure you've heard of it. Yeah, I definitely account. have. She's fantastic. Yeah, she, you know, she has a TikTok account. She has a book. I know mm-hmm. very recently she went on tour. Um, she also has a podcast. And so mm-hmm. she is someone that I listen to because I you know, want to make sure that I don't overwhelm myself with the financial information, but I want to make sure I know what my future could potentially look like. So this is just something that I want to leave with fellows of making sure that, you know, you are aware of what life is going to look like once you have to really start paying the bills, pay rent, you know, some of us have student loans. Um, So what does life look like? And does your administrative fellowship and does your organization help you have a livable wage and, and cover kind of basic living expenses, but also help you know, build your savings and build your other financial goals. So definitely, you know, look into what fellowship, the fellowships that you're applying to definitely look into what they are going to offer you as a fellow. Yes, I definitely think it's important, but I also say there's so many other factors. So I don't want you to just consider salary as one factor. I mean, location, the company, the culture, so many other great things The your manager, those all play a role. So again, that w- I just want to create more transparency around this. I also think it's great. Um, thank you so much for sharing your perspective on this. Another great um, resource to be looking out for. I know one of the master's students at George Washington University is creating a research paper around this. So hopefully we'll see that. I don't know how long it'll take, but hopefully we'll see that eventually to create more transparency and even equitable pay. Um, but 
like you said, Rashani, things to look out for, like looking at your 401k, also looking at things like, can you, if you can't increase your base compensation, can you increase PTO, like your insurance premiums? Can you have like, even like your Wi-Fi if we're working remote, like be a stipend. So just things to think about too. Um, but yeah. before ending this podcast, I just wanted to say it's been so wonderful speaking with you. Is there a way that listeners can connect with you after the show? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, you could, I used to make fellowship and like fellowship journey TikTok. So you could definitely follow me on TikTok. But I think the best way to stay in contact with me is LinkedIn. I am obsessed with LinkedIn. I think I use it a lot. And I, that's how I stay connected with, you know, leaders and mentors that I look up to, but also early careerists that, um, you know, are looking to get into healthcare administration, looking to do a fellowship or even explore other avenues apart from fellowship. So I think if you find me on LinkedIn, please connect with me. It's just my first and last name, Rajani Shah, MHA. And I am so excited to, you know, hopefully make some more connections. And I just also want to thank you, Brooke, for having me and including me and um, letting me share my experiences and opinions and my journey so far. Um, this has been so fun. And hopefully, you know, this can benefit one or two people in the healthcare administration world. Thank you so much, Prashangriya. I absolutely loved everything you had to say. I think so many people are going to love your story, can relate, and honestly even inspire them. So thank you. And I also want to say thank you to everyone listening. Today's show is brought to you by our sponsors, Riverside and Spotify for podcasters. To listen to more episodes, check out the link in my bio at Health Admin Life on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube.